Amen. Well, I want to welcome you this morning to the Sunday School uh, service. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Praise God. Just the other day, um, it was, I think, two weeks ago, uh, it was when we had to change the clocks. And uh, we left the house, and <laughs> I left like an hour early because we changed the clocks. And when we got here, there was nobody here. I mean, they, we were the first ones. And my daughters, they were excited to be the first ones here. Man, is that an awesome attitude for a kid to have. What kind of attitude should we have this morning that we get to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Praise God. My daughters were preaching to me that morning. I'll tell you what, because I'm not always the first time here. Most of the times I'm not, but they definitely made me like, oh, they preached to me a little bit. Isn't that good? Amen. Why don't you open your Bibles this morning? If you're visiting with us this morning, I want to welcome you. Feel at home. Feel comfortable. Um, we're going to hear from God's Word this morning. And just as much as you're going to hear, I'm hearing myself as well. Amen. Open your Bibles to Luke. I didn't tell you, so that would help. Luke 15, verse 1. Brother Emil preached a little bit on this uh, last Sunday. And I think it was just confirmation and continuity from the Holy Spirit. Amen. Luke 15, verse 1 says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for him to hear. Jesus is speaking here. There's a multitude gathered around him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. That's a terrible thing, man. Right? Wow. What a thing. And in this parable, it says, And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, he's speaking to them in a way they understand. A hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the, the, that which is lost, until he find it. And when he hath found it, say, found it. He layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. I want to preach to you and speak to you from this title, Found. Why don't we thank God and just let him speak to us this morning. Receive his word. Lord, we want to thank you again. Lord, let us receive your word. Anoint us, Jesus, as we hear from you. And embed your words in our hearts that we leave to the next service transformed, God. That we come as a different person and we receive to you this morning, God. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, why don't you shout a strong and healthy amen. I want to thank the worship team for leading us in the song this morning. And I want to give honor and thanks to my pastor for giving me the opportunity to speak to you this morning. It is a privilege. I always say it. I say it humbly because it is an honor to carry God's word. We've, we've all read these parables probably time and time again. And every time I read it, I get excited uh, when I get to the, the third parable in this story or in this scripture, uh, and that is of the prodigal son. And the reason sometimes I get excited when I get to that portion is because I can very easily assimilate and I can get into the, I'm a visual learner. And I'm a person who, who can quickly 
get things under un- understandably if I see a picture, if I hear a story. And in my mind, I'm like building this story and I'm building it and I'm seeing it. And these parables are very descriptive. You know, Jesus is, again, keep in mind, Jesus is speaking to the public. He's, there's a multitude of people, but he's not speaking to a lot of friends here. He's, he's really being almost challenged. And Jesus is being challenged. Have you ever been challenged by people and kind of like questioned and like, well, why do you do it that way? Why do you praise, uh, you know, when you go to a church? Why do you lift your hands? Why do you shout? Why do you jump and up and down? And I'm sure your answer is very easy to say is because God saved me. And there's no other way to thank him but with all my heart, to all my strength, all my soul. It didn't say some of it, right? It says all of it. So if we read on, obviously, he's given this example of the shepherd and the lost sheep. And he's letting them know, just put yourself in that shepherd's shoes. He's bringing them in. Right? The Pharisees, people that abide by rules and regulations and laws, and, and they're, they're experts in this knowledge. Right? They feel like they, they know more than Jesus, and they're almost trying to have him stumble. But Jesus is wise. Jesus has a plan, and he slowly brings them into the story of the shepherd. Right? He uses emotions to get into the hearts of these people. And he tells them, obviously, wouldn't you go out and look for it? And in verse 6, he says, And when he cometh, the shepherd that has found that sheep, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven. Ever one sinner that repenteth more than over the ninety-nine just persons which need no repentance. And I've read that verse, and sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm already saved. I, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't God rejoice for me as well? Why, why do we have to just throw a big party for the one that hasn't repented? And, and when I was younger, I was always like, you know, what's God trying to tell me there? What, what is the significance here? And he gives us yet another parable. The lost coin. Either that woman, verse 8, either that woman having 10 pieces of silver. Why does God use the, the, the monetary value? Again, remember the, the environment we're in, multitude of people, Bible times. Silver it wasn't something that was just found on the streets. It was something that had to be worked hard for. It was a currency, uh, kind of like gold. But silver was very valuable. You're talking about 10 pieces of silver. If I were to give you today 10 Gold coins, 10, I think an ounce of gold right now is like $1,300. If I, oh boy, what, yeah, somebody give me 10 pieces of gold. (laughs) If I were to do that, or if you had that stored, and you lost one of those pieces, that is a significant amount. You would take time aside from your day. You would look for it. You would turn every furniture upside down. Sometimes we do that when we lose the remote. Sorry, I got too excited there. But you would take time to look for it because it's valuable. It's a mean of income to your family. It's a mean of resource that you could provide food. 
So in the story, Jesus is showing them just how important 10 pieces of silver is to this woman. We don't know much more about the woman. We just know about the situation. Yet another example. And, and he says, if she lost this one piece, thus not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And we can go all sorts of lessons about that, about sweeping the house, cleaning your life, right? Separating the stuff that uh, removes yourself from finding Jesus. There are things that may be obscuring yourself, but that's not what we're here for today. And when she had found it, that piece of silver that was missing, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me yet again, for I have found the piece which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you. Again, he's saying it now a second time. He's driving the message home. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God ever over one sinner that repenteth. So now he's not just saying God rejoices for one person that repentance. He's now saying angels are rejoicing as well. He's starting to widen the picture. He's starting to show them and walk them through what's about to happen. And on the third and last parable in this chapter, the prodigal son. Here is where he kind of lays it all out. If you can't relate to a lady that has 10 pieces of silver, if you can't relate to a shepherd who lost a sheep, you may relate to the next one. And in verse 11, he said, if we read a lot of scripture this morning, is that all right? Amen. Verse 11, he says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. The father didn't think of anything of it. He just said, okay, I'm going to do that. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. He got his blessings, got his inheritance, and he went to a far country. He says, I'm going on vacation. And there was wasted his substance with riotous living. He went to the max, spent every dime. And when he had spent it all, there arose a mighty famine in the land. Isn't just that the nature of our situations? When we have plenty, everything's okay. When you feel a little tight, man, the whole world's falling apart. It hasn't changed from the time of the Bible. Isn't God's word amazing? It's just telling us you have to be smart. You can learn lessons about finances here. You have to be smart in the times that are plentiful and in the times that are not. Just don't spend it all at once. When, when I first, my first job that I got, uh, when I was, I was still in school, um, I was washing dishes at one of the restaurants that my dad worked. I think I worked the entire, I was excited because I'm like, I'm going to get a paycheck this is going to be the best thing ever. I'm going to go buy some video games. I think I worked like five days, and I felt like I was like a month. And um, they gave up. They were like, no, I'm, we're not paying you this Friday. I'm like, what do you mean? This payday. My check. And they're like, no, we withhold one check. You'll get it the next week. What? So now I felt like I worked for free. Yeah. I felt it was unjust. And um, I didn't know any child labor laws, so I just said, okay, and then the next week, again, five more days, you know, I think it was like 20 hours, and I got a check. I remember it had my name on it. I opened it. It was like 100 bucks. And I was like, 
what happened? Where's the rest of it? I learned about taxes quickly. Quickly learned about the healthcare system. Uh, my dad taught me very many lessons that day. Son, yep, that's what happens. And I went and spent it all that same day. $100. Blew through it. And uh, I had to keep on working and get more. But the thing is, is when you receive something that you've worked hard for, it changes a little bit of your perspective. The son in this story, in this parable, he didn't really, we don't know if he worked hard for it or not. We just know that there were two sons. And the younger one, I would assume, he perhaps maybe didn't work as hard as the first one, the firstborn, the person that was there first. And he asks his dad for his inheritance. And his dad didn't question it, just gave it to him. And he went, had a great time, spent it all. And then famine hit. And that's where we're at now. Verse 15. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, famine in the land. And he began to be in want. He started to understand that he probably should have uh, perhaps partied a little bit slower. And he went, uh, he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. So he became a part of their community. And he sent him into the field. So he went to work for a citizen, basically to be a slave to a citizen in this time. You got to think about the times we're in, Bible times. So he couldn't no longer be uh, producing for himself. He had no more money left. So the only way he thought is, if I go work for somebody, if I go earn a living for somebody in that town or in that city, they're going to be able to pay me. But he didn't realize what that citizen had planned for him. And the citizen, and he would, um, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. His job was feeding pigs. Dirty job, not the best job. And he he fain he, he and he would fain have filled his belly with husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Can you imagine? The Pharisees are hearing this story. The people around Jesus are hearing this story. And Jesus is using a very descriptive, very impactful, high-rise life to the lowest of the low. You have a, a person here, a son, who now has no money, and he has to work feeding pigs. And it's not like a factory you would go there today to hit buttons. I, I can imagine it's the worst kind of circumstance. In the mud, throwing corn to the pigs. And he's eating these husks that the pigs would eat. And he's feeding himself. That's what he would fill his belly with. And when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's? He starts to remember the life he had before he left. And he doesn't even think about his life. He thinks how good the servants of his father have it. He starts to think, man, those people don't have to go hunger. They have enough bread to spare. And I sit here and I perish with hunger. Verse 18, light bulb goes off. He says, I've had enough. I'm no longer going to be in this position. And he says, I will rise and I will go to my father and I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against the heaven and before thee. And I'm no more worthy to be called thy son make me as one of thy hired servants and he arose and he came to his father but when he was 
Yet a great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion, and ran, and fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But thy father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put on him. And put a ring on his hand and his shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. It's an amazing story that we hear because we see that there is a turning point for this son. There is a moment that he can no longer fall any lower. That he's now at the worst position, the worst place. I can only imagine his thoughts of him being in that field feeding the pigs and eating that husk and him thinking what have I done how did I get here haven't you and I been in a position where we thought how did I get here what did I do why did I do that and we begin to question our decisions and we begin to question our motives and we begin to question everything but there is a point where he starts to look back and realize There is still a way. If I go to my father and I tell him, I'm no longer worthy to be your son, but just hire me to be a servant. His life was so terrible that it was good enough to be a servant of his father than to be anywhere else. And we'll get to that. But his father, as I see the, the, the young man approaching the house from afar, And you can picture it, the father's perhaps in the house, tending to the things that they do in that house. And all of a sudden, afar, there is a figure approaching. And we don't know how long it's been. But it's obviously it's been long enough that this father drops what he's doing and he runs to the son to receive them with love. And he hugs them. And the father doesn't ask him, where have you been? What have you been doing? What did you do with my inheritance? The father doesn't question it. The father just embraces him and welcomes him in his arms, welcomes him in his home, and immediately, listen to this, immediately begins to bless his son again. He asks the servants to bring the best robes. We can quickly overlook what the significance is of the robes. But I looked into this a little bit. And in those times, in the Bible times, ancient times, having robes, or at least the best robes, meant that you had some form of acceptance into a family. So the father asking his servants to give the son the best robes was covering him in righteousness. It was a sign not only to the son, but it was a sign to everybody who saw the son and would look at that son. They wouldn't look at that son the way they looked at him in the swine field. They wouldn't no longer look at that son like he was a peasant. They wouldn't no longer look at that son with the past or history. Church, are you hearing me this morning? When God covers you with his righteousness, you are not the person that you used to be. When you enter into the presence, into the arms of God, you no longer have a history where people can look at you and remember that is who you used to be. 
You have left that in the past. You are a new person. You are covered by the blood of Jesus. It is transformative to your life. You are no longer bound to the history that brought you to the place you are here today. When the prodigal son returned, he was given those best robes. God's gift of righteousness. We can quickly look at that. Just as the son was clothed, God clothes us with his righteousness when we come to him, regardless of our past mistakes. How many here have made mistakes? <laughs> we all have. I make them daily. Just ask my wife. Our sins are forgiven. Can you say amen? amen. I'm happy for that. And we are made clean and pure in his sight. Isn't it awesome? That no matter what mistakes we've done, God will still look at you and say, I love you. I don't care what you have done. He looks at you with the love of that father that lost his son and came back. It's no longer about your mistakes. What's important is that you are here today. Amen. In verse 23 it says, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it. Let us eat. And be merry. Again, in the Bible times, having a fatted calf and killing it was only for special occasions. It wasn't done on a weekly basis. That's not what they had. We can also look into the, into the other uh, examples where they would bring the best calf and offer it as a sacrifice. The best. The fattest. It doesn't say just go grab the runt of the litter. It says, bring the fatted calf, the one that's healthy, the one that's good. I want to show my son just how much he means to me that he returned back home. But again, it's also a message to everyone around that's going to attend this dinner. Everyone that's there is not going to question why or shouldn't question why are you bringing the best of the best for the one that left? Haven't we encountered, and we'll read on, haven't we encountered that the moment you start setting foot in the right path, you get people to all of a sudden start questioning and criticizing and murmuring, just as the Pharisees at the beginning of this story? Verse 24 says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. I apologize, I skipped over a couple of things. In verse 22 says, bring forth the best robe and put in on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. In, in those times, a ring, the king usually used the ring as a form of authority. He would seal letters into law, scriptures into existence, and, and that would be his sign of approval, his sign of authority, his sign of law. The father putting a ring on his son is that lineage of power transfer, telling him, you, no matter what you did, you still have authority in this household. You still get to act on my name. Church, when God covers you with his blood and you are baptized in his name and God deposits his spirit in you, he's giving you that same authority to walk out those doors 
Don't worry about your past. The enemy quickly tells you you're not worthy to be his son. You should be a servant. But God calls you to be his son, his daughter, and you carry the same authority in Jesus' name. We can cast out devils. We can raise and lift those that are sick and afflicted. Why? Because his word says that I can with his spirit and his power. So the father putting the ring on his son, yet again, another symbol to those people around him that say, that man has power in his words. That son carries authority in that household. He's not seen for his past. And then the father asks him to put shoes on his feet. Talk about taking care of somebody from head to toe. The shoes in those times... It was common for people not to have shoes. We look at that today and we see somebody walking out with bare feet and you'd start asking questions. But in those times, those that did not have sufficient funds to buy shoes, they would have either sandals or bare feet. They would just walk around. It was a sign of common folk, poverty, not to have shoes. To place shoes on someone was a sign of, again, stability, comfort, and wealth, uh, progress. His father reminding the son yet again that even his feet that he would walk on, every step that son takes would be a reminder of the love that the father has. Church, you and I go through the same type of situation every day. We call that grace. Every time you wake up, God's grace is renewed upon our steps. Everywhere we walk, his grace walks before you. Every person you meet, it is his grace and his glory that goes before you. It is not you and I that are walking alone in this earth. And if you feel that way, I remind you in Jesus' name, he walks with you. His grace goes before you. And as we read on, we get to the part where it spoke to me when I was younger, and it still speaks to me today, because sometimes it happens. I'm a human being. I, I got to kill the flesh. Verse 25 says, now his elder son was in the field. He was working. The eldest of them all. Remember at the beginning, we could assume the eldest was working. He's in the field. He's plowing the land. He's tilling it. He's doing what he needed to do. Now he's got to do double the work. The other son's gone. How long has, how hard has he been working, carrying the, the weight of the family? He's in the field. And he says, <clears throat> excuse me. I lost my place. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. First and foremost, the father didn't invite the older son to the party. The son was working. I'll, get, I'll, I'll come back to that one in a second. And he called one, the son called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. What's going on? What's the party? What, you know, what is this? And he said unto him, thy brother is come. And thy father, the servant. You, you got to love the servants, right? They, they tell it all. They don't hold back. Here's an opportunity to get back at the brother. 
You want to know what's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Your father killed the fattest calf. He, he receiveth him. He's safe and sound. I'm sure that's not the tone where the Bible's going for it. I'm just taking liberty there. And, his, and the son, as he was angry, he would not go in. This party's not for me. I don't want any part of it then. And he was angry. Therefore, this father, so wise, so wise, the father came out and entreated him. And he answered, and he answering to his father, lo, these many years, now we have a little bit more timeline. Now it's been years, years this son's been working hard. I serve thee. Many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed. I haven't done anything wrong against you, Father. At any time, thy commandment, I've followed your word to the T. I've been loyal. I've been faithful. I've worked hard. I haven't complained. Church, hear me this morning. But as soon as thy son was come, which he devoured, Thy living with harlots, thou hast, thou hast killed him for him, a fatted calf. And his son, and he said unto him, son. This, this is the part that always stirs me. Because you can quickly, quickly lose sight. Working and serving God, you can quickly lose sight. And you can quickly get in the position of complaining and telling God, I've been faithful to you. I've worked so hard. I've put everything into this. And all of a sudden, this new person gets in and they're getting blessed. And they have a good house. And they have a new car. And yes, those things are carnal, but you and I are flesh. I'm telling you, you can quickly lose sight of what somebody is being blessed. And you say, God, why not me? But the father spoke and told the son, son, thou art ever with me. All I have is thine. It was meet we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found church we have to sometimes get into a perspective of the Father. Yes, we're sons and daughters, but sometimes we have to look at it from God's point of view. There are souls out there that are lost. When they come to his place, they come to his knees, there is a heaven that's rejoicing. You and I have to join in on that. Why? Because you and I are part of that body. You and I are part of God. You and I have God in us. The spirit that is in in us should also be rejoicing. But don't be deterred. Don't be conflicted when you feel the carnal things. It's normal to feel that jealousy. But it's God's spirit that's going to help us kill that flesh daily. We can look at ourselves in many ways through this parable. We can look at ourselves through the view and the perspective of the Father. Probably four years ago, yes, this, you know, um, five years ago, this was before uh, Sophia was born. Our friends had come down from New Jersey, my, uh, my wife and I's friends, uh, her friends since childhood, um, and they have a, a, a baby. And he was probably, 
four or five, and we were in West Palm Beach. We had went out there after a uh, convention. Um, we went to the beach, you know, as a family. We all went out there, had a great time. Isabella, my wife, and I, and all three of them. And I have never experienced what I had experienced in that moment and at that beach. We were there. We were just talking. You know what you usually do. You're eating chips, food inside of the beach. And I'm not a beach guy. <laughs> I don't like it. But my wife likes it. And, you know, so we do it, right? That's usually how it goes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's love. That's what I hear. And um, the, uh, the other guy... Um, I'm trying to keep some names off just because I, I want to be respectful of their privacy. But uh, the other gentleman that was there with me, him and I are close as well. And he also doesn't like the beach. So we usually just sit in the chairs under the shade and uh, under the umbrella. And that's what we do. That's it. We just sit there and, ch and chat. Um, and at one point, I mean, it happened so fast. Our kids were right in front of us. M my daughter was playing in the sand. His son was playing in the sand. And it happened, I think, within like 10 seconds. That we all of a sudden, all four of us, look at each other and we ask, where are the kids? And my daughter, I had just seen her and I, I called out to her and she quickly ran back. And they called out to his son. We didn't hear Anthony. And immediately, immediately, if you're a parent, immediately at the bottom of your stomach just deepens and there's a wide gap. And all anxiety starts to kick in. And me, my friend, I have my daughter. I can immediately, I start, just start scanning the field. And we knew he was wearing orange shorts. And I'm like, okay, I'm looking for orange shorts everywhere. And I'm telling you, we could not find or see anything. And those 30 seconds are now stretched into 45 seconds. And it's the longest time I've ever looked for a kid. And I felt like he's gone. Something happened. And it's Miami, you hear stories of kid abductions, and all of a sudden that stuff's rushing in, and, I, and immediately I start praying. I said, God, please, I don't want to go through this. I don't want them to go through I just start praying internally in my head. I'm like, Lord, find them, just pluck them somewhere, just show me. And all of a sudden, somewhere out there, a lady screams out, hey. The kid was already like 100 yards out. He just walked. He just got up and left. It took that short of a time but when that lady started screaming like this and said, hey, it was a flag, right? It was God saying, over here, those parents ran. I'm telling you, they dropped everything. They ran to that child. The mother picked them up. And in that moment, there was just a moment of calmness and just tranquility. And I'm like, okay. Whew. And sure enough, when, when they got back, they didn't yell at the kid because it's not his fault. The father got a tongue lashing. But... <laughs> It was our duty to watch the kids, of course. <laughs> our faults. Um, but in that moment, there was nothing more that mattered to that mom and dad. And I'm telling you that story because every single time someone new steps through those doors, you should have the same feeling. There's a lost soul that's coming in. Here's an opportunity to embrace them to tell them exactly what you felt when you found Jesus, to help them through those doors, it should be that important. Because if it weren't for somebody preaching to my mom at a store, I wouldn't be here this morning. If it's not for those doors of people coming in and receiving his word, it wouldn't be of the salvation we have today. If you take anything from this morning, 
Let's share the same vision that God has for the lost souls, the burden that it carries. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and preach. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and just do all these fancy things. Just embrace somebody. Just open your arms and tell them we welcome you. We're so happy you're here because they are no longer lost. They have now been found in the position where they can meet the creator. Have you ever been in a position where you reached out to the almighty and he answered to you? I have. I've been in a position where I needed something from God and God said, sure, my son, no question about it. Here you go. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'll take care of you. That is the same thing that those folks that haven't received them will experience. If you can stand with me this morning. In conclusion. In the parable, in the parable of the prodigal son, we see a reflection of God's boundless love and mercy no matter how far we have wandered. And oftentimes people say, well, I haven't backslid. I, I'm still in church and I'm still all of that. I'm not going to call anybody out here because I had to do this to myself. Well, how strong is my relationship with God? How great is my prayer life with God? How good is my devotion to him? I think of that son in the field working all those years, and I say, man, what a faithful son that is. To see someone depart from the family with half of the wealth, but to see that son still be able to say, even though he complained to God, or even though he complained to his father, he was still in the field working. He was still in the field working. It didn't matter that his brother left. It didn't matter that the value of the riches turned to half. He still worked. I'm telling you, church, we still work. We'll work till the day that God receives us in his kingdom for being a good and faithful servant. His love is boundless. God will welcome us back with open arms. Even though we work hard and we may complain, God still says, it's okay, my son. You're not doing it on your own. I'm still here. I'm going to lift you up. You and I are still going to be merry. I'm still going to share my wealth and my blessings with you. So may this profound love and his grace inspire us to extend the same forgiveness, the same love to others in our lives. Let us go forth from this place carrying the message of God, unconditional love. And may we be living testimonies of his grace. Amen. Let's sing to God.